Welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast, episode 101, no, episode number 192. <sighs> Got there in the end, Johnny. That's when he calls you luck beforehand. Yeah, and even then I still managed to get it wrong. Um, we have a super special guest today, the one and only Paul Ellis. I'll introduce you in a second, mate, but before I do, just want to say, Johnny, anything interesting this week happen? Don't, yeah, mention, don't, don't mention the football. Um, Liverpool lost again. I said don't. My United beat Man City, which is good. And that's about as interesting as it gets, really. I made a lot of toilet roll the other day. Didn't work. Sorry, kitchen roll, I should say. Not toilet roll. Kitchen roll. That's as interesting as my life gets. Well, uh, kitchen towel. It is uh, probably more valuable than gold at the moment, though. Yes, it is. When the, when the lockdown first happened, we keep 30 days stock in warehouse, which is about 9,000 tonnes. And it all went in the day. I'm like, how are these people shitting so much? Hey, Paul, here's a question for you. Have you ever wiped your ass with toilet roll? Not toilet roll, uh, kitchen towel. Because toilet roll would be yeah. normal, wouldn't it? Yeah. I wiped it with some very suspect things, but kitchen roll is not one of those things. What's the most suspect thing you've wiped your ass with? Um, my mate's t-shirt. I wouldn't say it's that suspect. It's funny. It is say. when you don't tell him. <laughs> yes, good. Save. Yeah. Okay. We are no longer friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he no longer likes me. Uh, Johnny, what's the weirdest thing you've ever wiped your ass with? Finger. <laughs> <laughs> That's not that weird, especially when we know that your sexual preferences. So, are you insinuating my sexual preference, Brett? I feel offended. I walk and I feel offended by that first statement. Right. Let, shall we? Ex- we could explore that a bit more. Are you? Suge- what are you trying to suggest that I'm suggesting? That I could be uh, homosexual. No, it's not. Are you saying you have to be homosexual with like a finger in the bum? No, you don't really. No, no don't. exactly. I've got pl- I've got many very very straight friends that have. Well, actually, one friend I can specifically think about. I won't name you on here. Uh, he doesn't listen anyway, so it wouldn't matter. But um, there is an ongoing joke for the past probably. 15 years about him once getting a finger up the bum outside of a nightclub in Norwich while he was um, getting laid by another, or, you know, having getting lucky with another girl in an alleyway. That's a very Norwich thing to do, to be fair. Yeah, would, to be fair. The end of the story was that it was his brother that did it. <laughs> what, the finger or the laying? Or both? both. Yeah. He might, have been, he might have been there. No, to be fair, his brother. He has got a brother, but no, his brother wouldn't have been, <laughs> been there. That is a story and a half. Yeah, well, you know, you know what they say about Norfolk. Anyway, we'll, we'll move on from that bit. As well. <laughs> that's that's outrageous. I've only used toilet paper. I, okay, fair enough. I I, uh, I think that probably the most unusual thing I've ever used is a running glove. I remember once uh, getting a, a, a slight touch of runner's trots a long way into a an in, a long distance run and couldn't make my way. I couldn't make my way home or get home, so uh, stopped in. I would say it's quite a small wood. And I don't know if, if wood is probably overdoing it, if I'm honest. Maybe wood's not the right word. Uh, maybe just a scatter of trees in like the side of a housing estate. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and obviously just had to go. And clearly the only thing I had there around me was the gloves I was wearing on my hands. So um, they were discarded, just in case anyone was wondering. <laughs> I didn't keep them. Might have gone, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, no. You were chasing the rest of the runners in front of the river with shit, shitty gloves. Trying him out the way to be done. She didn't. It, I was on my own, Johnny. It was just a, a leisurely run. So, um, yeah. Anyway, shall I introduce Paul? So, <laughs> we have Paul today. Paul is a personal trainer nutritionist, owner at Neptune Performance, and you are now working with the one and only uh, Shane Nugent. Yeah. At SJN. Yeah. Yes. Who has been a guest on the podcast many years ago, actually. Like, at least two, maybe maybe close to three, because I think it was quite an early episode. Um, Eric was probably one of the longest you've recorded. No, actually, I don't think it was particularly long. Uh, maybe it's the subject matter. We did, uh, if I, from memory, we did something about like top five tips because it was like a New Year episode. Top five tips to uh, kind of get started for the New Year or like for motivation, that type of thing. Mm. Yeah, you look back on that content and go, cough, dross. 
No. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't tell him that. <laughs> Poor bastard. He's um he's too busy cooking fancy curries and whatever else to care about. I googles the images made. Don't worry about that. Yeah, I bet he does. I bet he does, bastard. Uh, um, you've also just completed uh, an MSc. Uh, I don't obviously, which is what we're going to talk about today. It was an MSc, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I don't want to say maybe I rigged you. Maybe it was, a, was it a BSc? No. Have you, what was your BSc in? Uh, sports rehab. Sports rehab. Right. Okay. So, and this was on. Was the topic exactly on plant-based diets and performance with a translation to rugby league? So, yes, something along something. those lines. Okay. The title someone somewhat eludes me because it was probably the last thing I did on a whim. But it was plant based diets and the translation of elite performance into rugby league. Yeah, I would say that's that's a very interesting topic. So hopefully we'll we'll kind of dive into the little crevices of detail in a minute. But um, I think it probably answers a question that I might have had in terms of when Johnny started talking about football. Is are you a football or rugby man? Being in Hull, I'm assuming or Hullish. You are in, like are you in Hull or are you? Yeah, just I'm down? in Hull in hell so uh, i guess big rugby town obviously rugby very big yeah i or city i don't have a preference of sport i play everything played football got injured played rugby got injured now i play cricket mm. i've not managed to get injured yet he says how do you get in- uh i'll tell you how you get injured really playing cricket what's the most likely way of getting injured uh pull muscle ball, and pull muscle not a ball to the head uh just be good to not get in the head what did you say, Johnny? Didn't yeah. someone die not long ago from having a cricket ball in the head? Yeah. Lucky. He was Australian. He was 42 and a half. Um, yeah. He was, yeah, he got hit. He got hit in the back of the head. And that's why they've got a little like, extra guard on the back of the helmet now. I, yeah, I must admit, I haven't followed cricket in a long time. I used to play at school. I used to play actually at county level at school. Um, oh. My claim to fame is in the Norfolk County final getting bowled out of my second ball. So that's quite good. <laughs> Wasn't really a batsman. I was a wicketkeeper, actually. Um, I haven't really kept up since, I'm not going to lie. I've, I have watched the odd 2020 or kind of like Ashes or something. But like 2020 is cool. Cause at least it's exciting. Yeah, you know, people are going slog. Better if you're there. It's better if you've got a beer in hand. Yeah, I'm sure about that. I'm a bit like that with festivals. Like, I'm not really a festival man. But being at a festival with a, like, a beer in the sun, assuming it's sunny, um, it is nice. I went to Redden Festival like, oh six or something ridiculous and we got the best weather of the entire i did the whole five days and got the best weather the entire five days i must admit it was fucking brilliant um bear in mind i was like obviously early 20s and like loving life at the yeah, time yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um yeah it was fantastic but i'll be honest the thought of going to to one like now makes me think oh no thank you it's not my cup of tea mm. not my cup of tea well well we did stay in a travel lodge on the m4 so <laughs> <laughs> Mate, does that count no does that count you just went to a bat of like a big bab <laughs> basically yeah um i i think that's the best way to do it honestly because you know it's safe to have a poo anywhere well not anywhere but it's safe to have a poo at home um you have a shower well yeah or your mate's t-shirt it doesn't really matter does it <laughs> this is the uh, i've got a feeling that this the, this episode's gone off on a bit of a tangent already um well, talking about yeah well yeah. um so let's talk about the uh i guess i suppose you said it was a systematic review right so yeah. um let's talk about what made you pick that as a as a topic first off um it was actually my third option so um my ms my ms well my mis so independent study so the thesis was it started on in the september of 2019 so that's when i started planning it and i actually planned uh, so i went to my supervisor with two options first one was sort of nutritional interventions for concussion injuries and when you start googling stuff about nutrition and concussion is fuck all um and there is also a very very plethora of terms that i can't pronounce um, and it's just a PhD. If you're going to ever do a PhD, concussion injuries, nutrition is always a good good idea to do one. So that got sacked off pretty early. Then I was going to do eating disorders within bodybuilding. Um, had everything had everything to go for that, and then COVID hit, so I couldn't actually test anybody, and all the bodybuilding competitions got cancelled. And then I was working with one of the rugby league teams in Hull at the time. And they had a couple of vegan athletes. And when it came to vegan athletes, I had fucking no idea what the fuck I was doing. I was like, have some vitamin D, have some iron, 
and have some corn. Then you find out the corn's got egg in and can't have it. So that was a big deal on my part. And then, um, yeah, so I ended up doing vegan rugby league plays. And it had to be a systematic review. So there is absolutely fuck all research on it. Mm. So I ended <laughs> up reviewing four studies. Okay, only four? Only four. Did, was, was that because of criteria or was that literally kind of like the evidence base out there? Because I, I suppose when you're, you're setting your review, you obviously have some criteria of what you can and can't include. Is that yeah. what we're down or? Yeah, pretty much. So there's, there's no side-by-side interventions on vegan athletes. Um, they all have to be, they can't be crossovers, obviously, because you can't give a vegan or an omnivorous diet because like, if they think if, for ethical reasons mm-hmm. or religious reasons or whatever, then they're not just going to say, oh, yeah, sweet, let's give up vegan, let's go omnivorous for 12 weeks because this study says we should. Um, in the same vein that if you said to an elite athlete, all right, well, uh, can you go vegan for 12 weeks? We want to find out what it does to your performance. And they say, well, will it improve it? And you say, we don't know. Chances are that an athlete's probably not going to take you up on it. Mm. So the criteria had to be sort of more uh, as elite as you can, but with more case study based. And there were very few intervention studies. So it was a lot of interpretation of, of data rather than um, conclusive evidence. Are you telling me then that the game changes isn't based on loads and loads of studies? Do you know what? The game changes, surprisingly, isn't a very good source of information. I'm sorry to say, I'm, I'm 192 episodes in, I'm pretty sure that someone might have just tipped you off a little bit to that. Johnny? I, I don't know if you're as shocked as I am, but... I, I feel deceived after watching that and basing everything I know solely on that uh, Netflix um, what would you call it? Shit show, maybe? Shit show? I don't, well, you could call it a documentary. It's on Netflix. Probably, yeah. No, it must be. I had someone at work actually tell me about it, said, what do you think of this? Because his mate had improved his running times by, um, started to go, I don't know if he went vegetarian or vegan, but basically went plant-based. And he was obviously thinking, oh, I might try this. That sounds like a good idea. I can start getting faster. Actually, because my hypothesis for my thesis was that uh, the increased carbohydrates that come with plant-based actually increases performance. Well, I'll be honest, when you told me what your um, thesis was, that was the <clears> only <throat> thing I could think of. I was thinking, well, they probably just got more carbohydrates or increased their carbohydrates in the diet and probably just had better performance from it. That's about all I could think. I was thinking, well, so what other questions are we going to ask about, <laughs> about it? Just end it there. It's fine. Um, so uh, I suppose, do you want, I don't know, is, is it worth going through maybe like the the, the four studies in terms of the ones that you did look at just briefly just uh, or, or, or maybe not you don't have to go for all four but just pick out something like prominent in terms of kind of like what you found in those studies or what they were and what you found in them so there was so the issue issue with the studies that were reviewed is one was on uh two were on creatine supplementation um so and then one was on so one of the creatine ones was actually on beta alanine as well. So you had one that was on amateur, uh, on recreational uh, runners. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the other one? And then one, I can't remember the other one. But basically, each each single study had so many confounding variables that you couldn't actually take out anything from a vegan to omnivorous perspective. Right. So the beta alanine study, obviously meat products have bitter alanine in so increased carnitine content increases uh, uh, reduces acidosis within muscle through hydrogen buffering but they supplement with creatine as well which does the same thing as bitter alanine mm-hmm. just to a greater extent <laughs> so that was a massive confounding variable um, you had one that was just a creatine supplementation which was over five weeks with no washout period you had one that was on um, was using two sets of omnivorous participants and one was given a vegan diet or a plant-based diet and one was given an omnivorous diet So, but there was no washout period so all the compounded variables came into it and so in terms of sort of uh, creatine or blood and muscle creatine levels and shit like that mm-hmm. so it actually didn't there was no studies, no conclusive study that actually went 
and compared a vegan and omnivorous in terms of performance. The only one that did, that didn't have as many convenient variables, basically said that there was absolutely no difference in terms of consumption of the micronutrients that were there or running times. Okay. What about macronutrients in that one then? What were the differences there? Do you, do you remember? or? So macronutrients, so the carbohydrates was in, increased in vegans and plant-based diets and um, fats were also increased. And obviously protein was down, but protein wasn't down to the extent that general pop would suffer. Okay. So the translation where it came to rugby league was that rugby league athletes need about three grams per kilo because one, the their athletes and um they're obviously doing quite a lot of gym training but the collisions they actually take uh, breaks down um muscle as well so obviously you need mm-hmm. some more protein to account for that and like the g-forces that they take on so whilst we saw that protein was probably adequate from a general population point of view it was inadequate for actual rubber league and then it's I just it's a cascade of events from there so you look at the protein intake and how a vegan or plant-based diet can hit protein intake of three grams per kilo mm-hmm. and then well how do they do that with a food first approach which is what we should all be looking for without sort of using supplementation and then that brings in things like gastrointestinal discomfort from increased fiber increased carbohydrates and then total calories so it was just uh, essentially a shit show of cascading events yeah okay so can i deduce what you're saying there in in terms of like the what so what was the result of your thesis let's just ask that question so are you just saying (laughs) it was it was kind of inconclusive then based on the limited study range there was no real the the conclusion was basically that a plant-based diet can uh, has the potential to offer performance benefits but until we put it into someone that needs as many calories as a rugby league athlete so up to about five and a half thousand a day and the protein intake you're never going to be able to actually conclude if it works or not right okay i, I suppose like some people listening might think oh you know take let's take the example of the well the anecdote that i said about the guy at work whose uh friend has increased his running times i suppose you could probably try and let, let's extrapolate it into what you might think in that situation and and just i suppose make it into kind of something useful for the people to think right okay based on it sounds like obviously you're going to probably have to use more of your knowledge and your experience as a practitioner and kind of the other stuff that you've done rather than potentially your your actual thesis. But kind of how, how would you how, how would you think one that guy might have got faster? I know we kind of touched on it maybe a little bit, but two, what other, could other people do to then help maybe improve their performance? What would you extrapolate out of kind of like your just basic knowledge on that? So. Obviously, carbohydrates are the are the main factor in terms of sort of intermittent uh, repeated sprints, which is prevalent in rugby league and most collision sports. So, like some of the data that was used to sort of bulk up the study was from ice hockey, rugby union, um, even sort of Gaelic hurling and things like that, mm-hmm. where it's it is quite intense. Yeah. But the the way we can sort of extrapolate the data and, and make it a little bit easier for people to perform better is looking at on a on a smaller level than just the macronutrients because as an athlete or at rugby league even though it's a professional sport has a very amateur approach to its nutrition so if we take rugby league out of it and let's not just let's throw off fucking retards not the lie um i hope they're not listening <laughs> um if we take if we take sort of carbohydrates protein fats out of it and alcohol because alcohol is very prevalent in rugby league and you you think, all right, well, how do we make sure that an athlete is sleeping better? How, how do we make sure that they're performing better, waking up and actually alert and cognitively there? We look more at your vitamin D and your iron. Um, obviously, vitamin D we don't get from any diets, let alone a vegan or omnivorous, because Westernized diets fucking eradicated vitamin D from the diet anyway. And then iron from a vegan athlete, we're not eating red meats, we're not eating foods that have high iron sources. And even the iron sources we do have aren't as bioavailable as those sources. So supplementation is required. So the first thing I would do for any vegan plant-based diet follower, anything that doesn't eat red meat is put them on an iron supplementation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about things like, I suppose, folate or B12, that sort of stuff? Is that something that you've noticed? Because obviously yeah. I guess there aren't many plant-based sources or 
any really that I can think of. Um, is that something that you've considered, or is that something that you consider? So B twelve, B twelve is low in both vegan and plant based diets. Normal, adequate amounts in omnivores. The there are B twelve sources out there from a plant based perspective. They're both algae, and they're both really hard to pronounce. <laughs> um, but they're not sold in the UK. They're only sold in Taiwan and New Zealand. And they offer, they offer sort of, I think it was fifty nanograms of B twelve when we need two point four, so per hundred grams. So you need an ad, like a very tiny amount of the seaweed to hit your B twelve requirements. But again, B twelve is linked to iron because they're both linked to anemia. And the thing with B12 in vegans and plant-based diets is B12 anemia or B12 deficiency isn't usually, um, it's not usually seen when they do bloods because folate actually masks it. And folic acid is higher in, or folate is, is higher in a plant-based diet. So most people have the bloods done and the iron will be low and then they'll sort their iron out and they'll still feel shit. Mm-hmm. It's because B12 is low, but it's not being seen because the folate's high. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I, that's what's going to be. Of events that's just screwing you over, because if you've not done it for health, if you did it for health reasons, you're a fucking idiot. That you're essentially screwing yourself over from both B12, iron, and folate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I, the, the reason I thought it's quite prominent to talk about is because for people that are considering, I suppose, in, like, you know, like a, a, a true plant-based approach in terms of, like, I suppose, we're saying plant-based only. Um, so I guess even that itself is a bit of a, um, a, a misdemeanor in terms of what plant-based might or should really mean. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously if you are lacking in B12 or, or whatever, then it can obviously have some severe issues in terms of lethargy and fatigue and kind of energy production and tiredness, can't it? So uh, yeah. certainly, I mean, most people can anecdotally kind of, you know, your vegetarian mate, he's always a bit pale and kind of always a little bit tired i don't know whatever i guess it's just quite common because of the you know, the points you just raised around having lower sources in a plant-based diet and the, the the kind of the folate thing's interesting as well because like you say a lot of people wouldn't potentially have considered or, or know that especially i mean is that something I, I i can't say i've had any personal experience with it in terms of working with clients or and obviously i'm not a vegetarian or vegan myself but um is that something you think like doctors are relatively aware of or i mean you, you would argue they should be but what we know is that it's a lot of those types of things aren't necessarily found in kind of your general practices? No, like for me, a general practitioner is there essentially to assess a patient and say there is something wrong and then pass them on to sort of the relevant consultant, the relevant specialist. What my, my experience with GPs in either training them or talking to them or referring out towards GPs and other health professionals <clears throat> is that general practitioners don't know the fucking clue about nutrition. Mm. And it's seen like uh, this morning, the other week, had some fucking quack on, say, promoting his, his 800 calorie keto diet to lose the lockdown pounds. It's like, how the fuck is that getting mainstream TV? Mm. Like, and he's a psychiatrist, and yet it's talking about nutrition. It just it just essentially sums up what general practitioners aren't taught on all these individual aspects that us three ourselves have spent years trying to fucking study and trying to make people's lives better, and yet they they say they they don't have a clue when it comes to it. Yeah. Like, oh, you need to lose weight to feel better. Usually, that is everybody's go-to answer. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I mean, certainly, I, I I would say I've been guilty of that in the past in terms of thinking like weight loss is the key or answer to everything. In that, oh yeah, yeah, it's fine. You lose weight, you'll feel better. Or if anyone came up with a study to say that X Y Z protocol had some improvements in X Y Z, it'd be oh yeah, but was it the weight loss or was it whatever else? And that's kind of almost like your immediate jump to answer sometimes. And I think that's maybe potentially part of the like educational process that <clears throat> certainly I feel like I probably went through. Um, but in reality, obviously, it's far more nuanced and complex than kind of just you know weight loss being the answer to absolutely everything. Um, yeah, I think I think you'll both agree that like when you first first learn anything about nutrition or first learn anything about PT in or whatever you do, your confidence is sky high and you think you know fucking everything. And then like once you start talking to people, like you you just shot your confidence is shot. And like mm-hmm. I'm 
I'm only just coming out the bottom of that now. Like what I post online and, and things like that. Like I'm just becoming, I'm starting to become a little bit more confident in what I actually know. And I've got a master's degree. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know some of the people that are on my master's, on my master's course and they're fucking idiots. So it doesn't really speak for a master's degree, don't get me wrong. Like you only have to get a 40 to pass. It's fucking stupid. But like I'm only just starting to put information out there that I think is very valuable. And like you said, I was very much the same in terms of fat loss is always the answer. You got to lose weight. You got to move more, eat less. And I was in that fucking bro camp of, yeah, you're not working hard enough. You don't want it enough. You're not working. You're just not doing it. And Mm -hmm. it's like, nowadays we just need that holistic approach where it's like, yeah, you can, you can be healthy. But if you focus on health, essentially fat loss will probably care itself. And if you try and build more muscle, when you're 70 and you fall over, you probably won't break a hip. Mm-hmm. I think that, that's what we should be aiming for. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And I think like it's, it's interesting you bring that up only because uh, I guess what you tend to see, or certainly from my experience, I think what you tend to see is kind of like the evidence-based individuals that you, that you kind of, that, that I feel like I've associated with anyway and kind of that like you see within the industry have all kind of done a similar journey I think as to kind of what you just explained and probably now have very similar to beliefs to what you've said especially when it comes to weight loss in terms of I know it's kind of slightly gone off topic but I think it's quite interesting um in that focusing on you know kind of almost moving to the anti-diet haze type approaches of um nutrition or kind of well-being or kind of self-care all those types of things but I guess what, what I find is like interesting is those individuals that I kind of respect and have gone from like that journey they kind of find a way eventually in that middle ground of where they they don't go full haze or full anti diet, but you know they've kind of moved a lot away from intentional weight loss or kind of just you know that focus on weight loss as such. And it's something we talk about almost like weekly now. Um, like me and Johnny ourselves have said that our practices have changed so much in the last like four or five years since we started working together, where we have gone very much away from your flexible diet and your macro counting and just focusing far more on health seeking behaviours because of. Um, and I suppose like there is an element of you can't stop people coming to you asking for weight loss. You, you just can't do it. And we don't turn people away or tell people what their goals are, but we do try and manage things in terms of trying to manage, um, I suppose almost manage those goals over a longer period of time, maybe even without that like, can't even know it because obviously you just kind of gem, gem, gently guide people away from kind of focusing on that weight loss as that goal. And over time, they suddenly realize that they've been molded a little bit without, without even knowing. So it's just interesting to say that actually, I think a lot of people have followed that journey. Certainly like the evidence-based people I've seen have, have fallen that middle ground. I don't know if you yeah. agree, but yeah, I think I think the evidence-based practice that all three of us were sort of exposed to in a in that general nutrition course that we all did um, <laughs> is, I think it's bullshit. In all honesty, I think in ev- the the theory of being an evidence-based practitioner just means you're shit because if you're an evidence-based practitioner and you literally you read something and then try and apply it, you're not you shouldn't be a practitioner. You shouldn't be practicing. You shouldn't be working with clients because each client is each, each client is an individual, and what you should be doing when you read all this information about, all right, uh, this is how you deal with X. This is how you deal with Y. This is what you would do if X, Y, Z happened. All these are tools within the toolbox, and as you grow and as you learn, it's a case of you take this individual, and instead of trying to wedge them into something that like intermittent fasting because oh someone said it's great or it should be a case of yeah you do listen to the evidence but you sort of try and get this gray area between what the evidence says and how that actually applies because you've got to think most of the evidence that everybody spouts on about um and i'll come to come to the one that fucks me right off is everything's in a lab and our clients aren't in a lab. They're not in lab conditions. Like they're exposed to cake, they're exposed to chocolate, they're exposed to some fucking bell end telling them that intermittent fasting is better for them, or they shouldn't be eating breakfast, or they should be eating breakfast, or why are they eating that chocolate bar that we have to deal with on a daily basis? Mm. And the one study that fucks me right off is to say the food uh, food satiety study because you've got forty two foods and the you've got 240 calories of each food and it's so lab based it doesn't actually give us any practical information about satiety of food and there's new research coming out uh it came out last year i think saying the protein isn't actually satiating as we all think 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do I think protein is satiating? Don't get me wrong. I do think that, but I don't think it's as satiating as everybody makes out. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I kind of my opinion of what I know about the research, and I, I'm never going to claim to be an evidence in in saying having read all of the protein literature because I haven't. Um, I suppose it's kind of like satiating to a point. And more isn't always better. I think a lot of people do fall into that track that the more protein, the better, because you know protein is satiating. So more protein must be more satiating, and I don't think that's the case. And I do think more things like fiber, um, even the big one. For me. Yeah, fi- I think fiber's got a bigger role to play than protein ever will have. Yeah, I think I agree. Um, and even we had some quite interesting conversations with Rab uh, Dars uh, around kind of like even the role of micro and phytonutrients around what they could potentially have in hunger. And it is a difficult one to tease out all of this stuff because it's so multifaceted and the literature isn't there. Yeah. It's, it's mad really. I mean, I, I like Kevin Hall's recent couple of studies around the, the ones he's done on like hyper palatable foods or ultra processed foods. And then obviously the, the keto based, oh, I can remember like keto based animal, no animal based keto diet versus like the plant based high carb diet, whatever it was. I think it was that way around. Um, only because like they don't give any, and this is, this. I think this does align with what you're saying around evidence-based practice and kind of like evidence and where like good, good researchers and how they then kind of almost portray their evidence so that people that are practice that are practicing can use them. Like he doesn't say like this, this means this, so go and use it. He's just saying it's just interesting to watch these studies and how people work in a lab. We appreciate that doesn't, basically translate into real life context because uh, all of those other facts you've talked around they they obviously they exist outside of a lab so you can't just do that but i do like the kind of studies he's done because they do give you a bit of a rough idea that, that if we did live in a vacuum how people would naturally eat potentially a bit and i, I think you can still take some of that stuff but yeah. what i was going to say and i don't know johnny you were like nodding away because i think you were probably thinking the same thing about like when you said around evidence-based practice being bullshit i know what you're saying and i think like the way i would interpret that is kind of like it's as long as you it's kind of like finding that right definition of evidence-based practice in that that definition of kind of taking the evidence using your own experience anecdote the individual client's preferences the three things that we often talk about um that isn't always the case is it though the people when they claim evidence-based they're just cherry-picking studies to suit an argument that's not evidence-based how often do we see people go right anecdotally I've seen this, which suits my bias, so yeah, it's great. But when someone else goes, there's no real evidence based for it. But oh, anecdotally, this, I've seen this, oh, no, no, there's no, there's no study for that, I can't do that. But I can do the same thing for someone else who suits my bias. You see that all the time. Yeah, and I, I guarantee all three of us have been in the position where we've got a client that is very similar to another client that we've had. And we've based what we give them on something similar. So, I, like, when you say evidence-based research, for me, it's evidence-guided. There has to be some anecdotal there because that's what makes you the individual. That's why people invest in you because that's what makes you you. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it did. All the coaches, if we were evidence-based practitioners, every single coach would be exactly the same. Like, people might think that Brett's great because he's bald. People might think that Johnny's great because he's bald. People might think that I'm great because I'm not. Do you know what I mean? And it's what makes us individual as coaches and being able to apply what we read. And me, you, us three, will all read different things because we're interested in different things. Mm. Well, clearly, so, like, I've got to read something on protein because right now I'm not interested in it. Like, right now, most of the reading I'm doing is on biochemistry, like the nitty-gritty shit that nobody likes to talk about because it's fucking hard and I don't pronounce half the words. I just read it. I read the word and I'm like, yeah, that's that word. I don't necessarily, I don't know how to say it in my head. I'm just like, that, that's, that, that's weird. Uh-huh. But it's interesting, coming back to the fiber point, all the research that was in my thesis, the fiber content went through the roof when you went into a vegan diet or, or a plant-based diet. And the main thing that happens on a plant-based diet is there's an average of a 2K weight loss within the first two weeks of following it. So if you take that into consideration when you're putting anybody onto a diet teaching anybody or coaching anybody and you just tell people all right well if you eat more plant-based stuff don't have to go plant-based but if you eat more veg and fruit the stuff that we know and we shouldn't really have to tell people is healthy there is that weight loss that comes down because people are like not shoveling shit in the into the mouth but they're taking these highly nutritious like highly fibrous foods 
Mm-hmm. And it has that massive impact and it does decrease weight. Yeah, I, I, I kind of, I'm on the same lines, I think, in terms of kind of how underrated, for want of a better phrase, I think fibre is, and that doesn't get get enough credit. Uh, but I think the, the main thing being as well is because obviously it can be quite difficult to consume like adequate amount of fibre in a diet um, when you have to then consider like, you know, protein is really important, so make sure you get enough protein and all of the other things. People then don't want to then make their food choices based on things that would con- contain sufficient fibre. And in reality, it might not be serving them in the long term, but you know, it's probably a whole podcast episode maybe on 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 that. Um, but yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. I think obviously it does play a bigger role in satiety, in kind of helping people manage their weight in the longer term and stuff. Um, but the irony of it all, these types of things, is quite often the things we talk about like that just does boil down to like this very simple like oh just eat healthily like eat the types of foods that you're supposed to eat like what everyone knows and obviously things work themselves out but that's that's the funny part about it yeah but then you get then you get the whole all right well isn't being able to eat a pizza healthy because it's a healthy relationship with food like isn't food there to be enjoyed isn't food social Mm -hmm. we're bringing all the human elements of things and Mm -hmm. the westernized diet that we've all gone like like yeah. we've just constructed in the last 50 years and, and and they are though that's the thing is like you would say actually there are there are more elements to health than just kind of specifically the the, the nutrients that you eat you know there are the social psycho the psychosocial factors there are um cultural all these different things that are, are also as important to a certain extent yeah but you know it just comes down to that idea of like yes if you just had a pizza you'd be okay but the the kind of the food environment and the stuff that we live in nowadays doesn't allow us to just have a pizza i I, I mean and i am as bad as everyone like you know like i know you guys are i I sat there last night at fish and chips for a family of four basically on my own because we like you know it's like you go to fish and chips fish and chips isn't a normal size portion it is it is is for fish and chips but if you had that much of food in any other type of takeaway you'd be thinking what the fuck but so it wouldn't even fit on a plate. Like it would not fit on a normal plate at that much. And then I ate half of Jenna's and like half of my kids. <laughs> we half of your kids or half of your kids' portion. No, half, too wildly different. They are too different. This is where grammar and punctuation matters yeah. a lot. <laughs> well, last Tuesday I had a Domino's with a garlic bread and wedges. Obviously, I don't eat the wedges because I still don't understand why Domino's does wedges. Um, but it was meant to be for three people. And I had it to myself. Yeah. Yeah, and I suppose, and, that, and that's the thing is like that's where I suppose these arguments around being able to include certain foods being healthy. That in today's society, we don't do what you would probably consider moderate or healthy. Or no, it's, it seems like we we fluctuate like a metronome from extremes, and that's just unfortunately the diet culture that's once been promoted. So you'll go like even we promote as coaches say, like, "Oh, Monday to Friday, stick to these calories because you are in a better routine." Like. If things are normal, we're in COVID and people are on a t- on the nine to five office job. All right, sweet. You can have breakfast at eight o'clock. You can have lunch at twelve. You can come and you can have a meal with your kids at six. And then on Saturday and Sunday, when your routine's a little bit off, you can have an extra six hundred calories. It's like we are essentially we're teaching people to lose weight and be healthier in that terms. But then we've got to then you've got the flip side of all right. Are we actually teaching them a decent relationship with food, or are we just telling them that on a weekend they can actually have a binge? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the whole the whole concept though is interesting because I guess no one's going to be saying like, "No, you're right" or "You're wrong," or no one can say "You're right" or "You're wrong" in terms of what would be optimal or evidence based or whatever approach. And I suppose actually think about it, it's just going to come down to individualism in into individual differences between people of what suits things like preferences, lifestyles, all of those things. Because there will be some people where that approach actually just happens to just mar- perfectly marry their natural requirements for want of a better phrase. Um, but then obviously there'll be other people where it, it, you know, a focus on lifestyle, food relationship stuff might be better. Yeah. Yeah. Completely agree. Um, what I do want to do, because we've obviously we've gone off in some different segues, um, coming back to like the plant-based stuff. So for, I want to explore the running bit. So for someone that has essentially decided, I want to get far, a faster runner because I'm just thinking like w- what is going to be most likely because I don't think we'll have that many kind of like I don't know I suppose high performing athletes listening to collision some athletes. yeah especially collision athletes as well um, although some people might say yes I am 
how dare you say that? But uh, I would say we're probably going to have more your general uh, kind of general population just wants to get fit, potentially lose some weight or whatever. Um, what was there anything out of your kind of studies or your research that kind of they could take away to think, right, actually, this would have, even if it's not in your studies or whatever, this would have an effect or we can go back to that example. I said of the, the guy wanting to, to kind of improve his running speed and he did by going plant based and why that might be. Yeah, so being a runner or being an endurance athlete, it's actually easier on a plant-based diet um, in terms of versus a rugby league player or a footballer or something along those lines because there is no... However however varied a run can be, there is only one variable, and that variable is you running. All right, can you... Can you, like use carbohydrates or use fats for that period of time and go out and run without dying essentially your protein doesn't have to be high so we don't have to think about protein we don't have to think about where your protein is going to come from you can easily use a vegan protein powder you can use beans legumes tofu things like that and your carbohydrates are already going to be quite high because a plant-based diet just brings that in and breeds that so the only only real impact you're going to have when you want to be faster at running is actually just cleaning up timings cleaning up um, sort of that subjective feeling around running rather than the actual intake. And then just making sure that obviously as, as runners, if you're if you're a, a 10K runner or higher really and doing it quite often, just make sure that your iron content in your food or a supplement is adequate enough. Because mm-hmm. every foot strike you do breaks up heme iron and we need that. But the carbohydrates you're going to intake are going to make you faster. Yeah. Okay. I, I suppose, obviously, in that example, you know, we did start the, the conversation around that in terms of the likelihood is he's increased his carbohydrate intake on that, and you know, he's providing himself with more energy to be able to run faster. Um, probably, you know, he might have even lost some weight, and obviously, therefore, less mass to carry around. Based yeah. on like what you said around obviously increasing his fiber content, maybe eating less total calorie content because of that, those types of things as well. Yeah, it depends how it depends how the approach from sort of an omnivorous to vegan plant-based diet goes. So I'd always recommend that it takes, what, 18 months to go from an omnivorous diet to a vegan diet via transitions of maybe going pescatarian, then lactovarian, then then vegetarian, then sort of taking out one thing at a time. So take out eggs, then take out dairy, mm-hmm. then go vegan because it allows your body to adapt. And if you're coming out the same way, if you're going to go vegan to omnivorous, you just reverse the steps. Uh-huh. What usually happens when when people do it for ethical reasons instead of health reasons is they'll find the shit that is vegan and plow it in the mouth. Oreos are now vegan. Jammy Dodgers are now vegan. All these high-calorific westernized foods are vegan. And now you can get vegan ready meals, you can get vegan fucking everything. And it's like, oh, well, I'm vegan, so I'm healthy. And it's not, that's not the case. Like, health goes further than what the skill says and it's how they've approached it and how they've gone about it and what the reasons they're doing it has a massive impact on if they're actually going to be healthy and actually going to get the same outcomes as someone that's done it properly mm-hmm. and is doing it for ethical reasons or health reasons based on performance a vegan diet can be horrifically bad if you're just doing it for ethical reasons and you've got no idea of how to set up vegan diet correctly. Some of the work I've ever seen have been vegan, like, what are you eating? Is I it vegan diets eat nothing that is green. Yeah, no, nothing. Which is what it should be based upon, really. Yeah, they'll still eat ready meals. It's just that they're vegan, so they're healthy. And it's not helped by us. I'm not gonna lie, like, I've been guilty of it myself, like, telling people vegans that they're fucking idiots. I still do it, I'm not gonna lie, because, I mean, they are, but it's not helpful like if someone says oh, i'm turning vegan it's like there's this stigma behind it still yeah it's getting less and less because there's a lot more high profile celebrities out there that are doing it and it's more um ethically accepted to be vegan like if you go vegan for ethical reasons it's like oh yes yeah well done well done like congratulations you are better than i am you are a high power but we're still calling them fucking idiots because we know the extremes of what a vegan diet and how bad it can actually be. Like I know vegan, I know vegans that are severely overweight, and they've got more and more of weight because they're vegan. And it's that 
it's down to us as practitioners and us as coaches to be able to relay the message that all right, yeah, vegan vegans can be healthy, vegans can be healthier, but so can omnivores. I, I would. Sorry, mate. I didn't mean to cut across you. I don't. No, you got this. I was going to say. I think arguably transitioning from non omnivorous. It's a hard word to say, isn't it? When you're trying to say yes. omnivorous to uh, to a vegan or plant based diet. I would say for most general population would probably improve people's diet qualities anyway, I think. And it is a generalisation in terms of me saying that, obviously. But I think it's, it's when, you, when you start to include or restrict anything other than plant-based foods, I think by default you're probably going to have to increase. And I know it doesn't mean there aren't exceptions where people will live on Oreos and jammy dodges or, you know, like certain ready meals that have zero actual plant-based matter in <laughs> um if I, it, uh, so i suppose like I, plant-based, it's just not meat yeah well yeah um <laughs> and, and i suppose that's the thing in that i still think it probably will increase most people's diets the, the the problem is is i think that mostly gets people a step a certain way but it does obviously have other considerations or issues um in that the fact that it's restrictive then opens you up to other problems which some of the stuff's obviously that you've you've touched on, um, and that's generally the the biggest problem I see. Um, that outside of people's actual reasons for doing it, in terms of whether it is an ethical reason, whether it's because they're following a January fad, or whether it's because they're doing it because they think it's healthier or it's going to help them lose weight. All of those things are very arbitrary, and in reality, need a lot more thought and kind of planning behind because they won't immediately achieve those things, other than the ethical thing. Um, but even then, like, I don't know, it's, it's a difficult one because ethics and philosophy is such a difficult conversation to have any type of, um, what's the best way to put it? I suppose, like, you can't have any authority in philosophy. Like, that's the way I feel because it, philosophy by definition is kind of like just people's opinions almost. It's kind of like, like, what, what, who says that your ethics of saying eating a, you know, I suppose an animal or anything sentient is unethical like who decides that that's the that's the when it comes to that argument i always find that really difficult because don't get me wrong there's 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 elements to me where i feel like i should eat less meat there's elements to me where i feel like why wouldn't i go like i live in a society nowadays where i have the means and the ability to do a plant-based diet and not eat any animals but i choose not to and i sometimes think to myself maybe i should but then it makes my life harder and obviously that's quite se- and then i then i then i get down the route of okay well that's quite selfish i shouldn't be thinking that because actually i should be more giving to society and to people and animals and not eat them but then i can think to myself well actually is it really unethical to do so because a lying eating a antelope or wildebeest or anything in the wild that doesn't think twice about eating it because obviously but then you think well actually you bring it back and that's for survival and i have all these arguments in my head in terms of why it's is it ethical or not um and I think one thing that stuck at, stuck that stuck out to, to that someone said I can't remember who it was now. Um, someone said something that I listened to on a podcast, which which did stick out a bit and made me sway a little bit towards in terms of putting a bit more pressure on my thoughts about it. it. Was like, what if eating animals now is a bit like racism in you know like fifty years ago, where everyone was racist, um, and now if like people look back at that racist individuals and say like look at say say like you know we've we've all got uh certain generations of family say that may have you know lived within kind of more racist acceptance times um and it's a bit like when you ask like you ask granddad granddad why why were you all racist oh that's just what we did back then what if people ask you that now and it's like we just ate animals back then it's just what we did but in but in the future you're really looked down upon because obviously you ate animals that stood out and i was like oh yeah that is that is interesting it should be bigger than everybody else. <laughs> well, uh, not if you do no, the game changes again. Ooh, they get yeah. jacked. Get jacked on corn. Like I think, I think there's some merit behind that. Don't get me wrong. I think there is. There is part of me that also thinks, yeah, there's like there's those ethical reasons. But and since I've since I did my thesis, I've I've very much had weeks i watch it all the time i've had weeks where i've had less meat i've had days where i've had no meat mm-hmm. like I've, I've opted for more sort of dairy products or even like a five bean chili instead of a normal beef chili but there's two things and 
so like the very selfish reasons like i fucking love meat like i've got incisors in my mouth to cut meat there is a reason they're there and that's that's my reasoning behind things and whilst i do i do get the ethics i do get the the health reasons why people do it and from an environmental perspective, I do believe that, yes, we probably should be reducing the amount of meat we take on as an individual, mm-hmm. as is just placed in muscle food order, yes. Mm-hmm. But we that comes down to the individual, and right now we're very good at saying things like that. We're saying, yep, we need to cut down as an individual, and then an individual could say, oh, well, I'm an individual, I've got freedom of rights, I've, I can do whatever I want. I want. And I don't think, I think right now that can be translated very much into COVID, especially in the UK, because I don't know what it's like where you are, but whole, whole people have got the IQ of a fucking like, dick. Do you know what I mean? They've got an IQ in single digits. <laughs> like we've got fucking rallies in the, in the town centre saying open everything up. And then we, re- we wonder why our COVID rates won the highest in the country. It's stupid. Um, but people will say, all right, well, I'm an individual, I can do what I want. And it's it's the same with veganism. It's like, yeah, you can you can do what you want. And yeah, I probably should eat less meat, but I fucking love, I, I love a good steak. I like pepperoni on my pizza. Mm. Yeah. I yeah. like a bacon sandwich in the morning. It's all it's all all relative, I think. Yeah. And that does come down to the point I made about philosophy, that it is individual choice, because no one can really tell you ethically what is the right thing or wrong thing. Um, to be fair, we could just send this podcast into a, a random university and probably all get bachelors in philosophy. Or because... <laughs> well, Johnny, maybe not Johnny, because one is Welsh and two, he's not actually said anything. Mm-hmm. Like, I like to watch and uh, take um, it on. Take it on. Uh, like, listen, if someone's more intelligent than me, I try not to talk. So, <laughs> there's certainly not me more intelligent than me, don't worry. <laughs> Brett's voice is just like a, a David Attenborough's, it can send you to sleep. I would, yeah, well, I try. Um, I think that's uh, I mean we, obviously we have gone off a lot of topics and stuff but I think some really interesting stuff there um, is there anything that you kind of want to add on that, that we've not covered um, I would just say obviously I'm not vegan so I know it's quite hypocritical me saying anything about veganism and actually do it researching it but one of the reasons I did it is because I myself was one of those people that tell, did probably still do to an extent call, ve- call vegans out for some of the bullshit that comes with it. But I would say, like, if you are going to take on a vegan diet or, or convert from an omnivorous to a plant-based or even just take on more plant-based, make sure you've got protein. Make sure you're looking at your omega-3s, your irons and your B12s because otherwise you're going to live a very sad, tired life. Mm. Yeah, I, I think just add, I, what I would add to that is just around that conversation around, like, food quality still matters. Um, yes. I, like I said, I think for a certain extent, it won't take care of itself. But I think it at least push people a bit more towards that idea of food quality because I think it inevitably has to because it's just the pure limited other options that people have. Albeit, it's still not impossible to find shit diets as we've explored. But I think that's probably the other thing I would only only add to that. But um, so there is a because we're now coming to an hour. It's got flown by. So uh, do you want to shout out your contacts, socials, all of those types of things, so where people can find you if they want to get in touch, if they want to work with you? I'm assuming you've got space or you can accommodate someone working or some way shape or form yeah i just work till nine o'clock on a sunday it's fine mm-hmm. um so instagram is at mp nutrition one uh, facebook is neptune performance and nutrition or you can add me paul ellis and that's about it really um i'm not on twitter because it's shit i'm not on tiktok because i'm old um yeah, I don't even know what else is out there. No, I can concur. This... Snapchat. No, not on Snapchat. Is that, does that even still exist, Snapchat? Is that? Not, yeah. Is that? Is that? Oh, I thought it was dead. Why do you think all the filters go on Instagram and shit? Like, if you do add me and I, if you like add me to a group instantly, you will get deleted. <laughs> and if you use filters in any of your pictures, you also get deleted. I don't need that shit in my well, life. Hold on, hold on. Have you not seen a new mustache filter? I've been using that. Nick, Nick, uh, Nick told me about it or she was sharing it and I had to use it because I thought it was funny. But bear in mind, she's a woman. It's quite funny watching her with a tash. Mind oh, you. yeah. I can, it, I can imagine that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I no. delete everybody I didn't like, so yeah. I don't have many people anymore. <laughs> I'd be honest, I don't know if I'm still on there whether you deleted me or not. <laughs> I'm not come up. 
You're, you're my messenger. I'll give you that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. Before you do go, though, because uh, we like to just ask some non-fitness-related questions after to when we have special guests on. So uh, I'm going to ask a few, if that's okay. You should You've get the book Say so what, Johnny? You should get the book back out. No, that book was terrible. I had a book which is probably up. Uh, no, it's not up there. It come up with some horrific questions. It, it? Yeah, it was. It was something along the lines of like two hundred conversation starters or something. And the question I used to ask them: Do you pick a number out one to two hundred? We'll we'll ask you a question. And they were appalling. Yeah, Never. Didn't want to ask them. I think, I think I think Paul would answer them. Like some people were like, "They ain't gonna answer that. There's no fucking chance." Because <laughs> they were like offensive. Or half of them just didn't make sense though. They were just completely out of context to be able to like. They, did, they wouldn't even start a conversation. It's so weird. Like, I, I don't even really know. I can't remember how I, where I got it. I think I picked up an airport, but I thought it'd be good for the podcast, and it wasn't. But anyway, um, got a few quickfire ones. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Coffee, good. Any particular type? Or? Um, uh, there's a one that Coffee Link do from Yemen that is about 60 quid for a kilo, and it's fucking worth every penny. Okay, that's quite a lot for a kilo. I've, uh, you are Johnny? Serious coffee, I'm serious. Yeah. Um, okay. Pepsi or Coke? Pepsi Max, always. Good man. Chinese or Italian? Italian. Yeah. Chinese I mean, or oh, sorry, Italian or Mexican? Italian. No. All right. Sorry, Johnny. Go. On. I think Chinese is shit. Tastes like that, shit. Chinese just do shit Thai. I mean. I, I, yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Just the food. Yeah. A Mexican, it's just fucking, it's just whatever, you, whatever you can get from an English takeaway with fucking avocado on it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that's entirely true, but <laughs> I don't know what takeaway. I'm, I'm a little bit bitter against the Mexicans. Cause I got a Mexico cat holiday cancelled last year. Mm. I was gonna say, don't start getting racist on us, please. Um, uh, Okay, no, I, I, I think Mexican is the best genre of food, actually. Mm, I wish you told me before I came on. Yeah, well, sorry, mate. You can always, I, can, I don't have to publish it. I can always <laughs> remove it if you want. We'll, uh, we'll get next week's guest. We'll try and get him early again. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, just, I don't know why it is. I think the flavours are the best. I just like the flavours. Admittedly, the, the thing about Mexican is like every dish is the same dish, but slightly different. It's like an enchilada, yeah. a burrito. An enchilada and a burrito are the same thing. One's just in sauce. Yeah. Fajita is just an enchilada, but the sauce is inside. And not baked. But, yeah. But they're all, they're yeah. so, but what, what's, the, what's not to like about, like, chilli, tomatoes, spicy, like, you know, zesty lime, tortillas? Oh. I, just like I, bet you, I bet you're one of these people that think a lime's in the corona for the flavour as well, are you? No. I understand it's for pest control. Good. Yes. I did not know that not <laughs> at all. Know that, and I've got half people who put lime in the drink. Don't know that. No. Um. I what I would. I would say though, it does make the beer taste better. Like when you have mm. a when you have a Corona without lime, I always feel like there's something missing now. And I don't know if that's me being conditioned over years of drinking it with lime, yeah. but I do like um. What's the uh, Desperado? Something like that as well. It's quite good. A little bit of tequila in. But anyway, I don't know if that's my like. Young drinking days, I was gonna say like college days and stuff. But tequila is, is this... yeah, college had desperados. Yeah, we had like little bubble bottles like French beer about that big. You are from Hull. Yes, I know. I'm yeah. aware. Yeah, that's that's all they have in Hull, isn't it? They still have. I bet you still drink them. That's all I can probably think. <laughs> little dumpy. I actually drink Corona with that. One. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, PC or Mac? Mac. PC or Mac? Yeah. Johnny, what are you gonna say? PC, definitely. Mac, you make it. Fucking PC. Mm. I, 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 I got an iPhone. I got a Mac. I'm Apple all the way. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I just don't get people that like go. I, I suppose that it's the money. I suppose because you can probably get as good a performing PC as a Mac for like a fifth of the price. But the experience is never the same, no matter what people say. Yeah, but my 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 Mac is now uh, eight year old and I haven't slowed down. My parents have gone through three Microsoft laptops. Because they just died, fell apart, software-wise. Uh, yeah, they exactly. were sorted out. It's worth it. They sorted out. Favorite burger joint? Is there one in Hull? The Hull. I, I don't, actually, do you know what? Bear in mind, I travel a reasonable amount for work. I don't think I've ever been to Hull. 
don't come at shit. No. Um, there is, so I went through a phase of going through the best 50 burger joints in England. Mm-hmm. The best one in Hull is called Dope Burger, and it ranked number three on that list. Really? Yeah. And it's a decent burger, but it, the best burger I've ever had was from Annie's in Nottingham. Annie's? Oh, I've been Annie's. there. Annie's, yeah, sorry, Annie's Burger Shack. Is it Annie's Burger Shack? That was straight after a photo shoot. So yeah, take okay. that what you will. I went then and had a pancake burger. I had a burger with like... awful decision. Yeah, uh, well, I'll be honest, it was an awful decision in hindsight because I'll be honest, I didn't think it was that good um, from, from a burger. I had a conversation with a client of mine, Lee, uh, a few weeks ago who lives very close to Nottingham and he goes there regularly. I asked him if that's open. That's apparently shut. Oh, what? Shut down, yeah. So, that's unfortunate. That was ranked 27 on the list. I'm surprised at that. Um, there was a... Uh, I don't know what list that is, but there was a... Quite a, a, I was say renowned, but a, a reasonably well-known, I think, burger list that came out a couple of years ago. And there's uh, Gonzo's uh, from Norwich was on there. Fantastic place, actually. Very good burgers. But I think number one was Seven Bone, I think, from memory, on that one. In Portsmouth? There is one in Portsmouth. There's, they've got a few around there, Reading, Oxford, that sort of way. Seven Bone's fantastic, though, to be fair. It's very good. Yeah. Uh, although my number one is still Bleaker from in London Central. So, Never been. It's fantastic. It's basic in terms of they just do everything simply, but simply very good. Yeah, there's one in Liverpool called Nalita Cantina. Not good. Which is um, very good. I had a peanut butter and jam burger. That sounds all right. That sounds all right. When I've been to Liverpool, I've always been to Almost Famous. I've never been to Almost Famous. It's just the classic, isn't it? That's everyone knows about. And they are good. They are very good. Um, Albeit very messy. Johnny just doesn't do burgers, so he's like... Well, I do. It's just I've only ever had a apart from McDonald's. A five guys. Five guys. Well, to be fair, don't it? Yeah, we've only just all times we've only just got That's about it. There, there, there is the, the that uh, place I went to in Cardiff, the Grayson Shed or whatever it's called. That was in the one of, like up there in the top ten or something, apparently. Yeah, but I'm like not Cardiff. I'm in a relatively small right. town. We've only just come away from horse and cart. Speaking of horses, the uh, final question I always like to end the podcast in is: uh, Would you would you rather uh, be attacked by what? Of, uh, would you like to see a video of a horse? <laughs> what? No, it's not what I was going to say. It's outrageous. No, would you rather be attacked by uh, a duck-sized no, a thousand duck-sized horses or a horse-sized duck? Oh. Thousand ducks out horses, I think. I'm gonna to have to bleep that out. I can't leave that in the podcast. I can't use that word, that phrase. That's too much. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon I, I reckon I could kick enough of them to be able to run away. But I reckon a big duck would just hurt. A hundred? Could you kick a hundred? Only a hundred. I thought I was a thousand. Fucking no. A hundred's easy, yeah. This, you know, I'm just thinking back to obviously. You playing rugby collisions, like uh, even the size of a duck, a horse is still going to be like quite a collision, I think. And I think kicking a hundred, but can it climb trees? No, no, probably there you not. Go, then. But there's a hundred, and they could they could probably get up a tree just stepping on one one on another. Do you know if all the cats in New Zealand invaded Scotland, <laughs> each Scottish person would have to deal with 115 cats, and I don't think the Scots could take that. Because, let's face it, they're Scottish. I've never really thought about that. i no. be honest, I probably won't ever think about that again. <laughs> it's going to be on your mind <laughs> for the rest of the night. And, how many? 115? Yes. Ish. It doesn't matter if 140 really does it, but that's quite a lot of cats. Yeah, it's a lot of cats. Why are they all in New Zealand? I don't know. That was, that was what the meme said. I don't... I, all right, you just believed it. Um... I I don't associate evidence base. Yeah, I don't associate New Zealand with cats. Really, that's weird. I don't know what I associate other than greenery, hobbits and hobbits. Yeah, um, I, I associate Australia. I know it's not the same place. Um, with any, yeah, well, basically anything that's going to kill you, like literally anything. If it isn't spiders, snakes, crocodiles, kangaroos, landslides, desert. Fire people, yeah, fire people, probably, you know, shotguns. Um, so Sun. I'm never going to Australia. 
<laughs> just never gonna go. Um, We've got a random phobia of cats. Don't go to New Zealand either. No, I haven't. Thank God. But um, I won't. I probably. Won't. Well, I might get. But who knows? Um, thank you, mate. I appreciate your time. Very uh, interesting chat. Hopefully, people will at least take something useful out of the, uh, the more nutrition-based content. Not the start <laughs> of wiping one's ass or the uh, the way we just ended that. But um, <laughs> yeah, mildly entertaining. So. Um, We'll uh, yeah, we'll obviously catch up soon. But thank you, mate. Appreciate it. And uh, yeah. so let's actually go out tomorrow. Nice. Thank so, you, guys. Appreciate it. Nice no to be on. And don't forget, I'll, I'll I'll put your stuff in the show notes. But if anyone's listening, wants to get in touch with uh, with Paul, please do. Um, yeah. With that, I'll leave you to wish you well for the evening. Well, cheers, guys. Take Bye. care. Bye. Thank you for listening to the NNN podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please help us by rating on your podcast provider, sharing with your networks so we can get our content out to more people. See you next week.